0: Are you? Are you? Coming to the street? They strung up a man,
1: a saving one and three. Strange things have happened here, no stranger would be. it be. We met and
0: did, I did not. In the Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a very special episode of the Fangirl Chat, and here is your host for the podcast, it's Teresa Delgado.
2: Hey, thanks, Riley. <laughs> so, yeah, we are doing Peter. 19 of okay. Fangirl Chat. I'm Teresa Delgado, and as you already heard, with us is Riley Glanton and his fabulous sister, Bethany. Hey, hey Bethany. Hey.
1: Thanks for welcoming me to the show. I'm excited about this movie.
2: Yes. Well, the last time we did this particular topic, we got pretty pretty rowdy, and it was awesome. But as always, here with me is my co-host, who probably should have been introduced second or whatever. But oh, well. Hi, Tricia.
3: <laughs> That's all right. Riley and Bethany did our fabulous intro, so we have to acknowledge them. And we had to have them back to talk about The Hunger Games because we had an absolute fantastic time last time discussing it, so I'm really
2: excited for this episode.
0: Has it really been a year? Ah, it's hard to believe
2: that passed so fast. I know, it really was. It was like a year ago that we did Catching
1: Fire. Yeah, and Riley's been trying to turn himself into a girl to get on the show again ever <laughs> since then.
0: <laughs> Something like that. I mean, that's not quite the <laughs> phraseology I would have used, but... Uh...
2: That's what you were doing at Dragon Con this year, Okay, now I understand. <laughs>
0: Hey, what, what, what happens at Dragon Con? Uh,
1: <clears throat>
2: <clears throat> That's the only convention I can throw at it, just because Dragon Con, like, you know, nobody would ask questions there. Yes. No,
0: they would not. No, they would not. No, In fact, someone could catch fire at Dragon Con, and, and there would be no problem, which is what, is what the previous film did to my heart. So I'm excited about uh, this one, too.
2: <laughs> so I have a question for you, Riley. Have you now read the books?
0: Oh, no, no. I have, I have uh, avoided all spoilers uh, for these f- <laughs> fantastic... <laughs> What, what, what? No, I'm like, like these are from amazing films. You're not supposed to, like, I, I wouldn't go. Are, are you going to read this?
1: Some author wrote entire spoilers for the whole movie. Can you believe for that the whoever the movies.
0: Suzanne Collins person is dared to spoil the entire plot of the series? No, I'm not touching it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> ah, it's, it's a, well, it always gives us a unique perspective because you're coming in like Stone Cold don't know what's going to happen and we come in expecting certain things to be in there so
2: I like having this different angle at it.
0: Absolutely Trisha in fact now that you say it I think I did it just
2: for this show Oh well good so you have another year to go and you can finish it out and then
1: uh... yeah
2: Um, Bethany have you read them I can't remember.
1: I have yes I actually did read all books before any of the movies came out All the girls read them
0: Hey, now if we've learned anything in fandom, though, there can't be gatekeeping. I I count as a Hunger Games fan. <laughs> Darn it! Oh, no,
2: totally. You totally do. And let me just recap what happened the weekend Mockingjay came out. Tito. Okay. Okay. So Mockingjay comes out, and I get like twenty text messages <laughs> from Riley, and each one just has like one word. <laughs> I'm just, and I have them right here. He says, holy cow, mocking Jay was good. Saw it last night after a long day at school. That part. Here they took down the dam and the singing. So good. It had to be broken into multiple text messages for emphasis. <laughs> it did. It did. I was cracking up and Greg was saying, what is going on with your phone? I'm like, it's just Riley. <laughs> You saw mocking Jay. So, okay, when did everybody see it? You saw it opening weekend, Riley and mm-hmm. Bethany? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Indeed.
2: Okay. Trisha? I, I went on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. I was
3: there. I was in, it was crazy. It was really cool to see the audience react to some of the moments, like literally real time, screaming, laughing, and just enjoying it, even though it's in some ways horrifying.
2: Cool. So I'm glad everybody got a chance to see it. I was kind of curious how that would go down. And um, it was really, really good. That's all I can say. So oh, for, I guess just we'll start with like thoughts overall
1: on the film. Bethany. For me, it's my favorite film so far. And I thought it stayed a lot closer to the events of the book than the others. Though I will say it's been a few years since I've read the books. So that's kind of my overall thoughts. And I I really liked it, though.
2: Trisha?
3: I think that I was just really interested in how they were going to break it up, obviously, because, you know, that's one topic of discussion. Did it deserve to be two movies? And we probably won't know until we have the second movie and see what they did with that part but there every time i saw something i was like i don't know how they could have cut this i don't know how they could have cut this and everything added a little layer so i was just in awe of what they did with it
2: and riley man
0: well i mean my text kind <laughs> of uh reveal a little bit of of what i thought of the film because it's funny because as i remember when we came on a year ago i my, i really enjoyed catching fire but a lot of that was just because I also really enjoyed the first Hunger Games. And so those two movies are are so similar. And I, and I assume that that was the case with the books as well, because it's basically the 1980s television cast reunion. Everyone comes back to the arena and does the same thing again, almost. I mean, there were certainly a lot of differences, but there were so many similarities. That was my biggest problem, which is saying a lot as much as I enjoyed Catching Fire. This is where uh the 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 Bantha Poodoo to use the Star Wars reference gets real. Um and and we get to see characters out of their element challenged in ways that they never have been before. No longer do you get the sense that everything's just a a game in the total obnoxious power of the Capitol, and that the resistance and revolution is something real and not just something some random people are dreaming of someday happening. And that, that, the, the whole aspects of the, the revolution and, and the, the passion of the resistance is what really, uh, uh, gets my, gets me gander. It's what it does. So yes, thumbs yeah, up from Riley. Well,
2: for me, it was, um, very similar. It's been a while since I've read Mockingjay. So, there were things that happened that, I didn't remember happen and I'm like, Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was really into the film. Like I almost didn't know what was going to happen. And then something would happen and it would jog my memory that I had read that. Um, but you're right, Riley. It was catching fire and the hunger games are a lot alike because they kind of do the same similar thing. And this one is just a whole other playing field. Um, so I guess to kind of start off, I kind of want to talk about some of the characters. So um, what did you guys think of the way that Katniss was portrayed in this one as compared to, let's just say, Catching Fire? Um, Trisha. Trisha.
3: Well, th- this was going to be the troublesome story if there was one. Suzanne Collins was in. She e- even got a credit in the uh, screenplay for adaptation that they wanted to – I've seen interviews. They wanted to make give her more action because in the book she is a lot of times medicated in her kind of post-traumatic stress um, kind of frenzy or mania or just depression so you see a lot more from her. Although I like that the beginning they establish right away that she is uh, deeply wounded with that opening shot, but yeah. she's definitely making decisions. She's active in this, but then at it, it sometimes you see where without other people she wouldn't have been able to keep going, which is an important message that Suzanne Collins is saying about. Um, war is that these people need a support system when they come back from it. That's what, you know, she's writing this from a place where she saw her father come back from Vietnam and is trying to send a message to people is that we need a support system for these people that they can't just keep going on by themselves and be the heroes.
1: Well,
2: so Bethany, coming from a, somebody who's read the books and stuff. um, Do you feel like Katniss was portrayed the same as how you remember reading her?
1: Not precisely. Uh, I I feel like Katniss in the movies is actually a slightly more altruistic character. Um, it and I can't even really back up as to why I feel that way necessarily. Uh, but when you when you read the books, you are reading more from Katniss's perspective, and so I, I guess you you feel more of her down moments. You feel more of those medicated frenzy moments uh, when I guess she really isn't herself and that that leaves an impression on you because it's it's uh, really searing for somebody to experience something like that
2: yeah and I think one of my biggest problems with this movie even though I enjoyed it so much is that they made it a little bit less dark than the book Seems like if I'm just going off of like memory of reading, and I remember feeling really heavy reading the book because everything was just so intense all the time, and she was always in such a dark place, and it just didn't seem like they made it as dark. Riley, how did you feel about the tone? of everything
0: man the, as you were saying that i looked over at bethany and just kind of wide eyed. i was like darker than the movie man because it was a pretty dark uh movie at times and fun fact by the way teresa now you would recognize this uh and 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 i will answer your question in just a second i promise I, I realized i just did it like a sunday uh afternoon talk show move of a politician like let me not answer your question but teresa before i forget did you notice the uh towards the end of the film the marriott Marquis? Hotel from downtown Atlanta.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did. Yes. I did. <laughs>
0: oh man. Speaking uh, but, of Dragon Con. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Speaking of Dragon Con, because um, Katniss is is so damaged in, in the film, it it's a tough balance to strike. And I think for like ninety percent of the time, they they struck that balance well. But I kind of feel like this is just from my perspective in the third of the act of the movie, and maybe this is a testament to how good it is. But like for me, I was really wanting her to kind of snap out of it and be the, like the, the girl on fire, you know, that we all knows that she could be, um, towards the end of the film. And she still just kind of she never really pulled out of that damaged state. And then of course you get towards the end of the film, and and that 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 even goes uh, in a darker direction. So it was kind of tough to see a a weakened and a bleary war weary. Uh, Katniss Everdeen, because you're like, oh come on, snap out of it! You're just in. The, these people are fighting a real war, uh, but then at the same time, you do kind of are sympathetic to um, the the hardship she's going through as well.
2: Right, right, right. Um, so, how did you guys feel about President Coin? Because this was actually another. I'm asking the questions about the parts that I had issues with <laughs> first, <laughs> because as I remember, President Coyne, she was not as likable as she was in the film. Like I remember really disliking her when I read the book. So if anybody has any thoughts on that, please chime in.
3: I have, I have thoughts. Okay. Um, there was a conscious decision on Julianne Moore, Moore's part. She did a video on it that we needed to feel for her and sympathize her. And I think the message is that good people, and we have to talk about this without spoiling Riley, mm-hmm. uh, is that good people can end up being into difficult places and make difficult decisions, including Katniss and her. So she's she's very sympathetic, and I think that's because she's a lot like Katniss. It's just that it, she'll end up being a lot different. So there's at the very end, you see that moment where she's standing up there. She's bought into Plutarch. Sort of, he's actually still playing a game. He's still trying to make this rebellion it's almost a game to him where he's made or convinced her to go uh, go into the propaganda to sell herself to the people to get people to back her and gail's actually you know behind her and katniss is sort of going hmm this isn't necessarily what i wanted either you can see that kind of look on her face at the very end of the movie and she just goes back to to you know See what's happened, the damage that's done for her is just Peta. It's about Peta, not about getting everyone to back her position anymore. So it's a cool contrast uh, to see it happen in the story. But I think it was conscious that they wanted to make her a little more sympathetic because we we we're seeing her from our point of view in the book. We're seeing her from Katniss's
1: point of view, and I don't think Katniss ever liked coin. Was well, and I was going to mention Katniss was in such a dark place. We almost see everything that happens. In the book, from an even darker perspective than we do in the movie, and I, I think that includes the the people mm. as well as the situation. Yeah, which
0: uh, which in my brain, I immediately just started thinking of all of the uh, is is Katniss loose change? Is it is is she truly the currency needed for the rebel- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> But. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Bethany's just
0: looking at me so angrily right now <laughs> like, stop it stop it um the, for president Coy- was she in the in the book was she more um of a unsympathetic character kind yes. of a jerk
2: oh yeah she's a yeah. She's that a explains
0: bee. that does explain a lot to me because it would make some of katniss's reservations more uh, understandable because at, at some point in the it, towards about halfway through the film I'm like all right we get it you like peta But is that really the reason to just kind of hold out on on being the Keystone character who can actually push this rebellion forward? It's just because you like this one guy? That's not really something I I think
2: the purpose of it is that she never wanted to be the face of anything. She never wanted to be in the game. She never wanted to be the Mockingjay. She... She strongly dislikes having to be in this position. And if she could have, if she had a choice, she would probably just quit and run away. And now that she has gotten PETA, I mean, ideally, had PETA been okay and not been a psycho um, (laughs) when he came back, um, I think that she would have tried to split and run away and not be a part of it anymore. But um, yeah. So I think that's part of it. She's really conflicted. Like I think she knows she needs to do stuff and participate, but she doesn't want to have anything to do with it.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. But I do think that maybe that that storyline when you guys mentioned that would make a little bit more sense if maybe the good guys weren't quite so good or nice about everything as as we might hope they would be. But but still yeah. And it's one of those things of like, man, uh, the her seeing PETA, because you mentioned it briefly, seeing the interviews with PETA throughout the film where progressively he kind of looked a little worse and a little worse to where as I was watching the movie, of course, as the guy who's, who hasn't read the book and doesn't know what's going to happen, he goes through like three or four interview sequences. And it's like the last one where I, I'm finally it's beginning to dawn on me because I have a thick skull and I don't really notice things in movies. They're like, wait a second. He doesn't look quite right. Uh, nah. <laughs> 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 and then, of course, so at, the en- at
3: the end... were you shocked? Like, did the end shock you?
0: So the end, it, it wasn't like a, a Luke... You know, Darth Vader is Luke's father. No! Moment. It was more of a like a it was rising a dread. dread. Yes. And I think I remember so, looking over at you. It was so funny. Like at the single camera shot that's just following Katniss as she walks towards uh, PETA's room at the end. And I just kind of look over at Bethany and I'm just, my suspicion and my horror is rising. And there's like a will not to believe what I'm suspicious of actually being the case. And. Uh, then the, they reunite and the music begins to tilt in the direction I'm like, yes, it's not as bad as I thought. Oh. And then cut to credits.
3: <laughs> I <laughs> yes. love the, the replay of your emotions through it.
1: It was, a- But the thing is, before that, too, when uh, President Snow is talking with Katniss and he says, it's it's the things we love the most that hurt us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Riley turned I did look to me over at you at that point. At, and it kind of looked at me suspiciously. And then when Gail said... I don't know that it just said uh, every gun in the Capitol was pointed at us. They were back online, but they didn't fire. And then Riley looked at me and he was like,
0: yeah, that's, that's true. What? That's when what? Spe- what?
1: what? Well, that was, isn't that your new hope moment when Leia says they let us get away?
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> I don't know. I think the expression I gave to Riley was really evil because he, he kind of frowned and was like, I want to leave the theater now.
2: <laughs> it's funny i think i love how you guys compare it to star wars because i compare everything to to harry potter so <laughs> i just think it's funny
3: did you did you see any harry potter parallels
2: <clears throat> i see harry potter parallels everywhere
3: It's <laughs> like robin hood for um greg Wiseman. Right? <laughs> yeah
2: um yeah i mean you know it's interesting because, like, Katniss is very similar to Harry in the in that there's a big piece of Harry that doesn't want to have anything to do with what he has to do. Um, but he knows that he has to do it kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of similar. I feel like that happens with all heroes, though. You know, I feel like there's always that part of them that just kind of wishes that they never had to deal with the responsibilities that they have, i.e. Frodo You know, I'm going to start pulling characters out of um, literature. Um, I just think it's something that they do quite a bit, you know? Uh, I don't know. It's hard because Mm. Harry Potter is very different from the Hunger Games in a lot of ways. But there's just little things, you know? And something else. um, Let's talk about Finnick for a minute. Again, another character that is not portrayed the same as they were in the book. Because in the book, Finnick is seriously messed up. And he does not seem as messed up. No, he is. Like he's got it kind of together. And it's sort of, if I remember correctly in the book, it's sort of a big deal when they get him to the point to where he can do that propaganda piece. Because all through the book, up until that point... He almost can't even make like a coherent sentence, mm-hmm. from what I remember.
0: Yeah.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Well, I know as I recall, I think you're exactly right. Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, goodness, Bethany, do you have thoughts on that? I don't remember the character as well, but what what uh, Teresa said does spark that memory. I guess to me, I read so much into his expressions and the fact that. We, I don't think we even saw him out of his hospital gown until most of the way through the movie. Um, and the fact that he kept playing with that rope, that he was really messed up, but in a quieter, sadder way, almost. Like Katniss has a a flight or fight type of reaction, and it seems like Finnick is more resigned to whatever his fate may be.
3: And And we also, we just, it's... I was talking to a friend of ours, Geek K, who said that she thought that the the impact of his seat, his statement about what had happened to him was almost broken up with the way they did it in the movie. And mm-hmm. that he's, you know, to what, 10 years down the line from Katniss as far as being essentially a sex slave to the Capitol and right. that he had been sold to people who wanted him favors after being a victor and it's very subtle what he's saying in that moment because we're watching obviously the the rescue we're see- kind of trying to they're trying to split it and telling us sort of the horror of what katniss is seeing and she doesn't have any control in that moment but he's te- we sort of know a little bit more of that about him earlier on in the story which they didn't really get to dive into and and so you're seeing he's telling you what they did and how he fought the rebellion by getting all these secrets how he fought back but in this way that you know he's not going to be with the woman he loves he doesn't believe and Katniss is giving him a little bit more of reminding him why he needed to fight and he finally comes back up but yeah he was definitely a mess in the book and probably for good reason it's it's actually an interesting swap when you consider that he's the care you know he's the character who's talking about being you know, sold for sexual favors to after he's a victor, and and that's it's just a real neat gender swap. And I thought actually the movie did a great job of just really shaking up gender norms all across the board in it.
2: Yeah, Riley, yeah. did you get the fact that he was being sold as a sex slave from what he said in the movie?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, when he. Basically confessed it right there in the, in the video. I I, I kind of ne- it makes sense looking back uh, as as something that the victors would have done uh, would have suffered, but but it didn't really directly occur to me in, until he actually directly confesses it in that kind of epic. Well, I guess for lack of a better term, distraction fill the white noise while they uh, invaded the Capitol. and that was a very powerful mm-hmm. um, moment because that was kind of me as an audience member discover further discovering just how disgusting the capital is because so far the films have done a very good job of showing how evil institutionally this society is with its kind of super um, fascist you know government that doesn't that cracks down on any resistance of any kind and any free thought or expression but we don't really get a sense that's not enough in and of itself. We, to make we don't you truly get a sense of,
1: of atrocities committed outside of the games. I yeah. think is more what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Except so, for
0: and his speech kind of opened me up to that world because even in Catching Fire, they all go to the Capitol and they all just eat. A, the worst crime that you really see the Capitol commit is eat too much food, which is like whoop de doo. <laughs> I do that every day as an American, you know. Um, but but that but that that speech there that he gave, I think that's the moment where I, it it kind of all came together for me.
1: I almost that think that that plays into why he in a way more quietly despairs than Katniss does because Katniss is still in this stage of fighting everything that happens to her whereas Finnick had to suffer through years and years of just not being able to do anything so I I think that's almost more why um, he seems more resigned Uh, again that sort of more quiet being just messed up after the games and after everything that's happened to him. Uh, But I don't know, like you can't maintain Katniss's level of essentially freaked outness (laughs) for too long without going insane. So I think Finnick learned to cope with it somehow, but that coping was not a healthy way of coping. And thus you see the result of him uh, just kind of sitting there.
2: Makes sense. Um, so, a couple things. So, like, uh, how did you guys feel about Katniss um, rescuing the cat?
0: Duh. <laughs> <laughs> that was adorable.
2: I was actually kind of waiting for that scene to happen, and I was glad that they put it in and that they didn't cut it out. Um, I know, Trisha, you were probably super excited they actually included it.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, he went through the the actually replacing putting the right color cat. In the movie, f- instead of the black and white cat that's in the first movie, so I was like, "Yes, he knows that the cat <laughs> means something." To, so, uh, well, I mean, it it becomes a whole storytelling point, right? Because then Prim goes back for the cat, it, right? You know, instead of going down, you know, down the stairs, and and it, it, and it's you know, it's sort of like oh, and then I love the moment where she's playing with the the light. Mm. And, you know, and then she sort of realizes that they've been taunting her with, and that's actually a moment where she goes to Finnick and says, they've been playing with us all along. They're distracting us. So, and Port she goes in and out of that. But, yeah, Buttercup had to, he had to be there because he's the cat. Because he's yeah. the cat. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, you know, it's funny. There seems to be a lot of cats with lasers in movies lately. Um, because there's one coming up. It's in a trailer for the it's new sort of, for the new the uh, yeah. It's for the new. Um, oh, what's it called? Night at the Museum movie. And, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're watching the video of the cat on YouTube. The two little That's people. awesome. The little Roman dude and Owen Wilson's character. <laughs> And they have, like, this Roman, like, built thing on wheels that the other Roman soldiers are on. And he's like, bring over the the commenting device. And they roll over it, and they use, like, this knife to push keys.
1: Oh, that's funny.
2: If you haven't seen that. And
0: then they commented oh. racist uh, comments about uh, stormtroopers. But no.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that. And then I loved how they brought in Effie and Senna into Mm. the movie and I love how Effie was portrayed she was perfect like she was actually one of the characters I was I was so excited that it was just it just felt right um how did you guys feel about how she sort of went into stylist mode with Katniss and started trying to you know I don't know kind of make everything normal it's funny because (laughs) it was so Effie
0: It's funny because, and this kind of rewinds a little bit to Catching Fire, but, um, uh, well, and I have to attribute the author to this, Uh, Collins does such a good job of creating a world where you see such contrast between the wealth of the capital and and, and the sheer poverty faced with the ordinary people, you really do come to dislike people from the capital, but Effie is such a visual representation of everything you're supposed to dislike throughout Catching Fire, I was unprepared for her to become a kind of sympathetic character, but I like that twist. And so by the time you come to Mockingjay, her being the one who could actually, you know, one of the only people who could truly connect with Katniss became a very kind of uh, touching thing in its own way.
3: Wasn't it great when Hay- when Haymitch is trying to convince them, well, you don't need to just get her, you need to get Katniss to the Katniss that you loved. And they're like, well, what are those moments? And it's Effie, the person from the Capitol who's saying, well, it was when she sang for, you know, she keeps putting her hands up. Like they don't get it. Yeah. And of course then I'm like, Oh, I see. That's like a powerful thing that Katniss can move somebody who's got everything, pink hair included. And (laughs) she's convincing her that maybe the Capitol is wrong. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think Effie, I think Effie knows deep down that the Capitol is wrong. She she likes the the privileged life that she has, but I think she also knows that they're being, you know, that they're being wronged and it needs to be different. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that District Thirteen has Senna's last design for Katniss mm. in her oh, outfit, yes. um, the Mockingjay outfit, and I love it. I just that design of an outfit's probably my favorite thing that she's worn um this whole entire time.
1: Yeah. Even mm. though I yeah. really
2: liked the outfits that they wore in the second Hunger Games, but um I did like this one a lot.
0: Sin yeah. uh Sina's brought out the, the inner fashionista in me. And that's <laughs> and that's saying something.
2: You wear things with wings and fire.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And twirly dresses that catch on fire, too. It was, yeah. it was
0: part of my preparation for coming back on this show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it comes full circle. Yeah, but it's to me, I, I did crack up when I saw Effie slowly making her, you know, what she, I think, references her prison jumpsuit, which she sure seemed to think that it was. Uh, but she, like, completely modified it and made it all fashionable to her standards. <laughs> yeah. And that was really funny to me.
2: And I like how once she once she chose to do that. Every time we saw her, her head wrap thing was done different.
1: You know, there was
2: something different about her outfit. Just like every time we saw her in the previous movies, there was she always looked different. You know, so they they worked that in. You know, of her changing hair just with like the way she changed her head wrap. Yeah. You know. Didn't she
3: look kind of Emperor Palpatine in the last scene there with her black? Drapey cloak thing.
0: I'm, I'm trying to remember. I I, I vaguely remember this costume. It's,
3: it's a real quick. It's a real quick. Not that, not that I think they're saying anything. But that was my visual when it kind of was scrolled through the uh, the crowd, all yeah. applauding, and she has this like that's black funny. kind of drapey thing that goes you know goes over her head and cowl. I'm like, oh wow, okay, that's an interesting visual.
1: Yeah, I think Effie and Cinna really start to show us that the people in the Capitol aren't all bad and the people yeah. in the Capitol don't all necessarily condone what president snow does or, mm. or remain willfully ignorant. Yeah. Like, especially when you hear what happened to Finnick uh, and you're like, wow, the people in the Capitol would actually buy a sl- sex slave. And you know, they, they seem carefree yeah. and happy, but the Capitol really has a dark side. And then I think that gets furthered with, um, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Christina, Christina, the Precedent. 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 yeah okay the filmmaker and her crew. oh yeah that was and, awesome and uh, yeah Game she of was, was awesome.
0: connection there by the way yeah <laughs> she,
1: she was
3: one of my fate i a new favorite i loved mm. her yeah. In, this, yeah in the movie i was like wow
2: okay i'm a fan no i love yeah, no i liked her too a lot
0: she had it a very did. punk rock element to her that was really uh, that was really attractive and cool
2: <laughs> somehow I knew you were going to say attractive
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well no I, because there's this sort of like this really like devil may care attitude that because even even the rebels are so like passionate for their cause and, and she's just kind of matter of fact yeah we're going to throw out these jerks uh,
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah no I like that I did and you know she she had some flair to her. She was kind of the Joanna of this film mm. um, yeah. because we were definitely missing Joanna. And let's talk about that for a minute when Pita and Joanna are rescued um and um and his girlfriend Annie. um whose name I can't remember Annie Annie What? Annie. Annie. I was going to say Amy which is not <laughs> correct. Um It's a hard look on Joanna's face, and she's pulling all the you know the medical stuff off of her and stuff. And I was just waiting for her to just scream, and it was just that was the best. I was like, "Oh, look at Joanna!" Yeah, yeah,
0: (laughs) that was awesome. Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, so let's talk about Beatty for a minute because he is there, and he's sort of like um Q from James (laughs) Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's not even subtle. <laughs> not at all. Um, and he, let's talk about Katniss's um, crossbow, like bow and arrow. Um, I was going to call it
1: a crossbow. It's not a crossbow. Um,
2: her bow and arrow. Um, I want one. I
1: know. It was so cool. Yeah. Well. I want to fire one of the red ones.
0: <laughs> I love how in, in bow and arrows are now in pop culture. Uh, this yeah. is a good thing that this is back. I like this fact. Like whether it's the you got your you got your Hobbit, and your Legolas and Tariel, and then you've got your your Daryl, and your Walking Dead, and then of mm-hmm. course you got your Katniss.
1: <laughs> well, and, and I, you have the actual the Arrow TV show.
0: Then you, of course, yes, Oliver Queen.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. It is.
0: It's an end thing. I like it. I approve.
1: <laughs> Do we
2: approve because it's less violent or just less loud and well, stylish? And-
1: there's actually a uh, live-action Robin Hood coming from Disney TV show too.
0: You're kidding? You?
1: That's been announced. Yes, since when? So since like yesterday. Do the Google. Do the uh, Google. <laughs> Let me Google that for you.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Just Google Robin Hood Disney. Disney aims YouTube. for Pirates of the Caribbean-style Robin Hood with Nottingham and Hood. And now Disney has its own live-action Robin Hood in the works. <gasps>
2: Disney Vault Talk News. Okay.
1: Oh, snap. See, you guys should hire me. Oh, snap. I should hire you. <laughs> I would
2: hire you if I made money doing it. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay.
1: <laughs> Can I pay you in Little Debbie's? <laughs> yes. Yes. For chocolate, I will do almost anything. <laughs> I'm looking at you, know, Do you like star crunch and
2: cloud cakes. Those I, I have those. I also have some cosmic brownies left. <gasps> cosmic wow.
1: brownies. Oh man. Did not so- eat them
2: all yet? I'm not I'm not a huge sweets person. I bake and I make it all myself and I give it to people, but it takes a lot for me to sit and like eat through like a piece of cake or something. I like stuff like pumpkin pie that's not overpowering with sweetness, you know?
1: Yeah. So
2: it's um those things, I have to, it's a slow consumption. <laughs> it's a very slow consumption. Oh, man. Um. Okay, so we've talked a lot about pretty much every aspect of the movie. Is there anything anybody wanted to talk about that we have not discussed? Yes. Okay, yes.
1: Okay, go. Yes.
2: Trisha first. Gail. My boy Gail. Ah, uh, we're talking about Gail. She's like, ah. Uh.
0: Gail? Gail <laughs> no, really I love came- Gail.
2: I'm just saying, oh. Uh, what do we need we'll see, to talk
3: about he what is really what, what, what riley what do you th- do you think um
1: you're not gonna like his answer no okay no, that's, no
3: i want to hear it. i want to know no no there was I, a lot of controversy whether he was just sort of like the tree or yeah. just not effective in the movie oh i what i your I, impression
0: oh contraire i actually he really came he was much less of an ornament slash just foil for katniss uh, in this film, because that's kind of was his role in the previous two films, but he really came into his own. In fact, him being on the team that went in to rescue PETA, I really liked how he had an active role uh, in the film. The, the, there was, the only part I didn't like of, of him in the film was just he was kind of a punk.
1: You came out of that movie saying he was a jerk.
0: Well, in that moment. <laughs> in that moment, he was definitely a bit of a jerk when he was like, oh, man, you only you only like me when I'm in pain. And, and that was very that was a very Hayden Christensen moment for him. We'll put but it that true. way. It's true.
2: It's true. She is only attentive to him when he's in pain. Um.
0: Yes, but he didn't have to like manipulate her to do it to prove his point.
2: Yeah, but in everybody in, manipulates Katniss.
3: Yeah. It, yeah, that's true. And it's, it's true. the only. It's the, like the only moment he does, and then he he backs. It's like it's the sort of sh- she's like the apple, but he keeps backing away from it. And, you know, everything that he, you know, he's one of the powerful moments that got lost in the movie for for Gail, that when they go back the second time to 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 the district and they show the you know, there's that powerful moment when she looks down on all the bodies and Gail talks, he's telling the story and he's talking about how they ran and the people were in the road. And if I could have grabbed more people, the decision for him was and you don't realize this, I think it's, if you haven't really read the books and you you have it in that moment is that he went back and got her family and they, they drive that home later when he goes back and gets prim in the, when they're going down into the, the bombing shelter. But he made a choice to save her family and left a lot of other people behind. And so he, it's everything that he's doing is being driven out of, of feelings for Katniss But he very, you know, there's a lot of, um, in storytelling, a lot of times the women are the prize. And that's the only moment where he kind of tries to take his prize, but then he realizes it's wrong and he backs right off. And I thought that was a really powerful storytelling moment because that's, it's a really different way that the stories have portrayed women than they generally are, which is something to obtain where he realizes that he did it and he shouldn't have done it and he, and he backs right away from it
0: like let's point to the number four song on the charts right now here in the terrestrial in the united states and that's one direction's everybody gonna steal my girl right (laughs) and that's i mean think about it though that's like it's the opposite of that which i do like
1: yeah well
2: okay and i'm just curious now that you've brought that up do any of the women here ever feel like have you ever felt good having somebody say that like you know, you're their girl or you're theirs or whatever because I will admit that, like, I've had that said to me before and it makes me feel good. Is that bad?
3: No, there's nothing wrong. There's actually nothing wrong with with saying it or feeling that way because that's an honest emotion. And I think that's why, you know, you talk about, sh- uh, you know, when they talk about shippers and, you know, girls liking stories because there are a lot of times about relationships and that's what they kind of get you know pulled into stories that's a legitimate way to to want to be in your real life to want people to appreciate you and love you so no I I don't think it's it's there's nothing wrong with it but it's just an interesting way it that it's different that she's uh just to how Katniss is portrayed and how the the two male characters—I mean, they're both, in a way, actually have these really strong nurturing elements, Peta and Gail that you don't necessarily see in male characters um, in film. Television and books are a way ahead of film, but on film, this is a really powerful b- portrayal for me. It's yeah. a difference. I, I, think I guess to have
2: one full person, you'd have to call them Peel, for her to be <laughs> able to be satisfied and, have, and make a choice. <laughs> i not mush I, them together.
3: I didn't even know there was a Hayfee ship until, uh, <laughs> until Elizabeth Banks, who I didn't even realize was directing Pitch Perfect 2, oh, yeah, she was talking about it. And uh, I was like, Heyfi, oh, I
1: can totally see it. Yeah. I guess for me, it's... phraseology like that can be, you know, you know the song, She Belongs to Me. And I'm like, really? She belongs oh, this to song? you?
0: I got it all.
1: Sorry, sorry, yeah go ahead. but uh, phraseology i think that there can be multiple meanings behind that but you you can say like my girl or my guy in the sense that you know he or she is the only person that i love is they're the only person that you know
0: the apple of my eye the flower of my heart
1: <laughs> yes something sorry, like butter that. buttercup came to say hi hello <laughs> and uh But you can also make it more possessively like, um, you know, they're mine and essentially to some degree that can be followed with and, you know, they kind of do what I want. Uh, So it can be too possessive and controlling.
0: Like um, Um, there are a couple billion girls in the world, find another because she belongs to me.
1: Na, 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 (laughs) na, (laughs) na. Oh, goodness. But uh, with with Gail... um, I think what he says is in part true, but not fully. I think it's true in this film and it's true. Once the games have happened because Katniss is, uh, she's focused on PETA and she's focused on the other tributes. And the reason why she trusts Effie so much, um, when you, you wouldn't really think that Effie would be a very trustworthy person. Um, You know, Effie doesn't exactly exude uh, wisdom and secrecy (laughs) and these other things. So, but uh, it's because she went through the games with these people, and they supported her. And whenever you, in psychology, when you go through something like that with someone, you could be with a soldier friend for a month. And you know more about that person than you do family members you've known for decades. Uh, yep. So to to me, there's a level of Katniss is emotionally damaged and she's focused on these people that she has come to know that way. Like even with Finnick, even though he's clearly not right in the head at that moment, she still has a level of trust for him uh, right. and a level of being able to be comfortable with him. And she she gets that back with Gail, like in the moment when they're sitting next to the water with each other and she kind of leans over on him. I didn't take that as a romantic gesture as much as a very vulnerable, she's beginning to trust people essentially outside of her allies during the games.
0: I'm not going to lie, that was a really sweet moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so, I, I think Gail took so it more remote. remote Romantically, or at least wished that it was romantic, and made him mm-hmm. even more sad that you know it probably wasn't.
2: So to kind of wrap up, I have to ask this question. We'll just kind of go around. Um, who do you think Katniss is in love with? Oh, Gail or Peeta? Riley? Gail. <laughs> Trisha. I
3: think it's whoever's in the immediate moment in front of her. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I think there's a, a lot of re- reasons that you can believe there's more than one person. It d- might just depend on where you are in your life. But, it, you know, Gail's sort of the person she knew when she was innocent. And, and that's what he represents to her. And Peta is the person, as Bethany said, she, you know, it's kind of her... Her, uh, the person who understands what she's been through. So that's two different things. And I, I think it, whatever is are most pressing in her mind will end up
1: prevailing.
2: And um, Bethany?
1: I think there's a lot to what Trish had just said in the sense that um, she and Gail were definitely, it, like it, it seemed like they were meant to be with each other. But now she's been through these monumental, forever, life-changing events that he hasn't really shared. Uh, And that's kind of hard, especially when she has shared that with other people. But I do think that Gail will be the one that she kind of swings more towards because at this point when you have somebody choke you and nearly kill you like that uh i don't think on a deep level especially when you understand that they're that messed up and you see them that messed up i don't think it it would take a long time to get over that even if intellectually you fully understand why that was the case there's still there's a there's a primal emotion that's hit when somebody tries to kill you and nearly succeeds
0: Well, and, and if I, I, I know I give my one word answer, but, but just to kind of revisit just for a brief second before we, uh, before we depart, um, depart these troubled waters, uh, for PETA at the end, and this has less to do with his relationship with, with Katniss and more to do with just the bold storytelling is like, cause I touched on this at the beginning, but I, I want you guys to understand, you gotta, you gotta understand my feelings. At the end of that movie, because it was that moment in that dread as she first sees PETA again, and you realize what's happened, where it's that, holy crap, this isn't Twilight moment. That is like, you <laughs> what, know... What Twilight? <laughs> uh, say what?
2: What Twilight are we discussing? Like, Twilight like the time of day, Twilight like Twilight Zone, or Twilight like Vampires?
0: Uh, the latter. Meaning that... <laughs> You have these characters that, in terms of storytelling, uh, Suzanne Collins and then, of course, the filmmakers uh, preceding her are willing to take characters to a place... That is really bold. Because let's talk about how much everyone liked Peta and Katniss and how adorable it was that they were together and that they were really popular and there are memes on the internet about them and how popular Jennifer Lawrence is and uh And, and, and they have kind of like Josh a, a
1: fiery relationship. Yeah, it's... and Josh,
0: I mean, even in real life, Josh Hutcherson as an actor is like really popular. And there's just that moment where you realize that this isn't just going to be a, oh, and then these people fight and then those people fight and then everybody's happy. Yay! This is like the Game of Thrones moment where you realize that a great story is often not the traditional one. And the twist at the end of this film uh, certainly made that the case. And uh, Riley then started texting Teresa. And that's the (laughs) rest of the
1: story. You were so, you were like, when we walked out of the theater, he was like, that was so good. But you were also so depressed. Yeah. Like, you you so pitifully asked me, you're like, does PETA get well in the books? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Does PETA get well in the books? And then I was like,
0: no, don't tell me.
1: (laughs) And then I was like, well, what would be most realistic? And then Riley glares at me. (laughs) Well, um,
2: as far as me, I think that um, that Katniss was at one time in love with Gale. And I think that she revisits that feeling from time to time. But I don't think she's actually in love with him anymore. I think she's in love with Peeta. Mm. And I think that that is the most important thing to her. Mm. Is Peeta. And I think it's always going to be Peeta. <laughs> but um, that's just me. So... Um, I don't think I don't know if we really need closing thoughts, but um, I guess we'll go around the table, Trisha. Things that you hope to see in *Mockingjay* Part Two.
3: I think that I hope it's just as fantastic and wonderful, and it's going to be a war movie. We know that. That's all that's left.
2: Yep, Bethany.
1: I kind of hope it doesn't end as kind of sadly as the book did. Mm, (laughs) I I hope that. we do see some, some things that aren't as depressing. As yeah.
2: depressing. Hey, spoiler alert, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, really?
0: I just, I want to see, we saw the writer's room. We saw them saying, we, we, we saw everyone saying, well, what's it going to be like when we go to war? And I'm ready to see the actual conflict and, and, and to get that, uh, that son of a gun Uh, to keep things family friendly uh, out of the proverbial White House
2: Gotcha Um, As for me, I'm just uh, I just want to see another amazing movie with the team that's put it together So Thanks for listening to Fangirl Chat You can find everybody online Um, Riley, why don't you give um, y'all's contact info and Star Wars Report stuff
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You can find our podcast at starwatchreport.com forward slash about. And uh, we're on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I'm the Riley guy. Bethany
1: is at Bethany L. Blanton. All righty.
2: Um, Trisha is fangirl cantina on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ice cold penguin. You can find all the information about this show and stuff like that over on fangirls going rogue, the Facebook page, and on Facebook fangirlblog.com and fangirlnextdoor.com so until next time I don't know what we say here Um, Trisha no we don't do that here (laughs) we gotta come up with something else we still don't have Uh, anything there's one for this episode may the odds be ever in your favor
3: Yay! So good. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys. That was really fun.